It's a bit sad. Yeah, but you know, it reminds me of Jerry Maguire because that was a song he was singing when he was made redundant. Well, was... he was just fired. <laughs> <laughs> Big difference. And today we are talking about redundancy. We are, which is why we've chosen that song. And we're talking about redundancy because it is happening left, right, and centre, all over the place. Thick and fast. Yes. And people are dropping like flies. They are. Yeah. And here on my compound where I'm living, I think we've had four or five families that were made redundant so far, mm-hmm. and there's more to come. Right. So you're living in this weird world at the moment, aren't yeah. you, where people are all talking about, well, I, I'm not sure whether we'll be here until the yeah. summer or we will be here until mm-hmm. the summer, but then mm-hmm. we don't know. Yeah. And, you know, it's just when a it all weird started really kicking off a few months ago we're in a relatively we have moved into a new compound we've been there a year now but it started about six months ago and all of a sudden I'd see the moving trucks pulling up and Mm. families that were there one day were gone the next yeah and for a while there we had probably five or six villas empty and we're on it as you know we're on a really small compound yeah so it all just happened and then new people move in and the cycle starts again yeah and what's happening here here on this compound is the people that were made redundant were given until the summer so they were given until June so they're all still here yeah. but they're desperately looking for other jobs yeah. and of course they're surrounded by people they used to work with mm-hmm. and it's that awful still, and are these people still going to work no so it was yeah so they stay at home and watch everybody else get in their cars and go off to work because yeah, you're on a company company compound yeah, so, and, yeah. I, and I would imagine um, because we're really good friends with one of the couples but I every time I'm with them I hear people people asking them exactly the same questions so any luck mm-hmm. finding anything and yeah. then everybody tries to make them feel better yes you know like, oh you were lucky because this and this happened yeah. or, well, no there's nothing lucky there's nothing it's a really really crappy yeah. time yes yeah and I guess we should to explain for the non-expats out there because I think sometimes it's easy um, to forget exactly how complicated it is mm-hmm. Expat redundancy is very different from being at home and being made yeah. redundant. Like we say all the time, take a theme, put expat in front of it, and it automatically automatically changes. Yeah. So because if you live in, in Sydney, yep. you come home one weekend, you've been made redundant. Mm-hmm. But you go off to your kids' sport yep. forever and ever. The kids stay at the same school usually wherever they are, if that's, you know, public schooling. Yes. You're not having to pack up your house and leave almost immediately. Yes. Yeah. Um, your friends are still there. Your family's there. Yeah. You've got a big support network. Yeah. But in a place like this, especially when there's mass redundancies going on, mm-hmm. it's almost everyone's in their own little world dealing with it because yes. next door's also dealing with it. Yes. So or you, your support group can almost change a little bit because... Mm. 
who the people that may have supported you had you been the only one being made redundant they're all going through it too yeah so and it can almost be a selfish time because it's got to get a new job what are we going to do with the kids school it's hard to then support one another when yeah. it's such a mass yeah. exodus it's, that's happening it's your whole life it is. so in one day you lose your job your children lose their school. Yep. Your a partner has to contemplate, well, can they keep their job mm-hmm. or can they, or are they just, if they're not working, they lose all their friends and the, the network that they've created. Yep. Um, then there's that within your relationship because mm-hmm. your partner has completely changed your life. Yes. You know, it wasn't just that they lost their job and they went off to find another one. No, that, that means that that's what your housing has changed. Yep. The country you live in, just mm-hmm. everything is yep. different. All of a sudden you might not be able to go and have that weekly coffee with girlfriends because you're saving every single penny. Yeah. And you can resent your partner, I think, for that, yeah. even though it's not their fault. And you might not want to see your friends too because it's just too hard because yeah. their life is... Is going, going on, on and you're moving and mm-hmm. everything's changed and it's you. not on your terms yeah it's very very different when you leave a country on your terms compared to not on your terms yeah that's right so says you've been through this we have um, Matt was made redundant after a year and a half in Abu Dhabi he is in the construction industry mm-hmm. and when the global financial crisis hit worldwide obviously um, construction just went Mm. out the window mm. um, and it was a very drawn out process um, at first the company had to take pay cuts like every everyone from mm. the director down all took um, quite a chunky pay cut which mm. affected us greatly because Abu Dhabi is a very expensive city yeah um, and then we thought right well the writing's on the wall mm-hmm. if we're taking a pay cut mm-hmm. the next step is we're going to lose the job so Matt had started to put his feelers out yeah. um, he knew it was coming but then the company did a bit of a, a dodgy on him and said, no, 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 your job's safe. We need you. You're taking the pay cut now, but don't worry, in a year or two, you'll be back up. We'll be, you know, running full oh. steam. Um, and Matt being the guy he is, it was like, oh, I don't believe you for one second. But he <laughs> kept the feelers going out. And it was one Thursday he came home from work. His parents were visiting. Um, and it was, I've been made redundant. And that's the first time he and I had ever, ever experienced anything like that. He had been in the one company for 10 years back in Australia and Mm -hmm. then changed companies and was with them for four or five years before moving over here. Yeah. Um, but we were very lucky in that because he'd had his feelers out and he had sort of laid the groundwork. He was offered a job, two jobs, actually. He was offered one in Perth and one in Doha. And we took the Doha. Um, But that was really, really tough. Actually, Matt was off work for about two months. Right. Um, And again, we were in a crisis and Matt and I have had lots of downs during our six years with everything. And we were also trying to have a baby. There was miscarriages. There was IVF. Everything was going on. But for some reason, and I'm the first to say I'm quite the princess and I'm prone to a few tanties, when things like this happen, we really come together. Yeah. And when I feel that maybe he's getting a bit down, yeah. I'll boost yeah. him back up, up again. again. Um, but we were, again, we were lucky. We'd learnt our mistakes from Abu Dhabi. As soon as we moved to Doha, we were saving money like there was no tomorrow. So mm. even though he was off work for two months, we did have a nest egg to fall back on because there's a lot of people that can't afford to stay here. We had to continue paying rent, Mm. nursery fees. We had to put food on the table. 
you know, we weren't going out for dinner as soon as he was categorized. There was, I mean, it was yeah. baked beans on toast type yeah. stuff, but we wanted to keep as much money in the bank as we could. And yeah. we gave ourselves three months that had he not found a job in three months, we would have gone home. So mm. we actually had the packers booked and he got the job. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, this one was interesting when I put the question out to everyone because I put put out the question on the 4Kids 20 Suitcases mm-hmm. page and you put it out on the Two Fat Expats page. And, and heard crickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was interesting, yeah, crickets on the Two Fat Expats page. Then we had sort of, you know, 15, 20 comments on the 4Kids yeah. 20 Suitcases and a lot of people initially said, yeah, sure, I'll have a chat to you. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to organise the chat and they had spoken to their partners or whatever, they decided, well, actually, no, I'm not really comfortable. And um, not so much – well, in one case I had a woman who was made redundant, but she was very worried about talking about it because she still hadn't received her final leave mm-hmm. um, payment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was happy to sort of talk about how it felt to be made redundant and with her she felt that it was a huge opportunity that because she had been made redundant her and her partner are going to set up a and b in Sri Lanka oh wow uh-huh and um for them they're going to give it a go and they're going to try it for a year and if it all works that's fantastic if it doesn't then they'll go back and try and hit the expat world again yeah but so for her it felt like this huge opportunity mm-hmm. um but with the what a other, great way to look at it i know i know and um and i I was talking about this G on the weekend and we were saying we wonder with people like us whether that's the push you need to get you mm-hmm. to move somewhere else that yeah. sometimes you just get so comfortable yes and it all seems too scary like yeah. we're both very risk adverse people <laughs> and, um, I don't think you know we're coming here was a big re- we left the company that G worked with to come here and we thought that was a huge thing mm-hmm. to do to do mm-hmm. that whereas you see other people and they're just flitting everywhere and they yeah. just don't have that same no we are like fear. you yeah and and g you've said this before he has a great saying he wants to live an ordinary life in extraordinary yeah. circumstances he, yeah. he wants to be an ordinary person living an extraordinary life yeah and we're very much we like to be in our comfort zone yes. <laughs> <laughs> but i just think that's such a wonderful outlook to have on life that mm. because it is there's the shame and the embarrassment of being made redundant and not providing for your family mm-hmm. i think there's a there's a lot of guilt that comes along with that so to be able to sit there as a couple and think gosh this is our opportunity now let's open up a b&b let's do it yeah i think for me it's all about the money i'm so scared of losing um our savings or being completely destitute yes we are are exactly the same and i think because we're still young we've still got so much more life to live we've still got so much more life to pay for about because when I was saying you know the woman who left the message then there were um who'd been made redundant there were a a lot of women that replied to us about their partners being made redundant and then their partners had asked them not to speak about it Mm -hmm. and um 
one of the women, it, it, it took me back in time because um, my father was made redundant at 50 and um, I obviously didn't know G at the time, but his father too was also made redundant at 50. Yeah. So both G and I are the products of uh, fathers that worked for the same company for 30 years mm-hmm. And then one, and gave their heart and soul, yeah. as did their partners for them. I yeah. mean, my mum worked as an accountant, but she was also really very much behind my dad's career and there yeah. on Friday nights and entertaining and having yeah. people around for dinner and going to every bloody Christmas show and, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, my dad really had that classic sitting in the office on a Thursday afternoon and someone comes in and says, can we have your car keys and here's your redundancy package and thank you very much, but goodbye. And Greg's father had been an expat and um, travelled all around you know, the world with his company, come back to Australia, mm-hmm. same thing, on a Friday afternoon getting the, the envelope and the find your Thanks own way home. Much. Yeah. And... Um, for both of us, we realise now because it was it, back in the you know nineties, people didn't talk about depression like they talk mm-hmm. about it now. But both Greg's father and I really hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but he <laughs> basically locked himself away for a year to plan what they would do next. But I'm sure there was a certain amount of I'm locking myself away because I really can't be dealing with I'm anyone right a now. Wall up I'm putting yeah. a wall up. And my dad too, it was definitely a case of um, depression. And so, yeah, there was definitely a shame there. Mm-hmm. And that is what these women talked about. They talked about the shame that their husbands were going through about their redundancies. And um, we're not going to use any names in Mm -hmm. today's um, podcast because we had a lot of people that were kind enough to give us their thoughts and feelings and experiences but didn't want to be identified. But we had um, a really lovely woman who wrote in to say it was a really shocking experience for us and she's put shocking in inverted commas because... Um, when she says for us both, I think that's the thing. Yeah. When you're an expat, but like we said, it's not just one of you loses your job. It happens you both, to both of you. Yeah, yeah. It really happens to both of you. And then if you. you've got children with you, it happens to them as well. Yes. And this woman's children were 20 and 22, mm-hmm. but her husband wouldn't let her tell them. Yeah. And so he made, um, it, they had to go along with this story that dad had just decided to move on. Right. And I think that is that stays with you forever because um, every time your kids ever bring up, oh, you know, Dad, when you decided to leave, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. And there'll be a feeling of, well, I never really told them yeah. exactly yeah. what, what a whole different there. truth. And it is just shame, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think it's also, I think it would be vastly different for a man who is in his late 40s to 50s being made redundant compared to, say, a younger couple. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think being made redundant in your 50s, there would be that moment of, is anyone even going to give me a job yes. at this age? That's a whole different kettle of fish being to how we were in our yes. early 30s. And yeah. happening, you know, Matt's still got many, many yeah. years of his career. Yeah. He's, the guy that someone wants to hire, yeah. whereas someone in their 50s, that's a it's, yeah, yeah. A whole different type of shame. 
Yeah. So she said um, they just played it by ear and they were very lucky that they had a place to move to. And I think that's the thing too. When you get to a certain age as an expat, you start to go, well, where's our go-to place if everything turns pear-shaped? Yeah. So uh, that was I'm the... running straight home to mum and dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is that everybody talked about who'd been made redundant. They said, uh, don't ever get yourself in debt Mm -hmm. um, because that will be a nightmare for you getting out of the country. Especially living in a place like we do. Oh, yeah. And make sure that you've got somewhere you can go to. Mm -hmm. And the really lovely thing she said was be kind to yourselves and each other. she said, you know, when you, it's just the two of you kind of against the world yep. that you have to really, really concentrate really hard yes. to yep. be very kind yep. to each other. And little things that annoy you can become very big things very quickly yeah. when you're going through it. I, and I did notice that, but every time I felt like I was going to have a bit of a, a moment, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's going through this just as much as I am, if not yeah. more. Yeah. Um, and I'd yeah. reel it back and we'd. Yeah. get together it's that that famous saying of my mother-in-law's of don't blame each other blame the situation yes, yes. yeah um and she said the other thing that i thought was just brilliant advice was plan things for the time of the job search so that it's not just all about the job search mm-hmm. so maybe get get some ideas of things you can do and stuff that's going to take you away from that job yeah. search so I thought that was that was really good. Cheap things to do as well. Oh, God, yeah. Well, that's the thing, because you don't want to spend a yeah, cent. Yeah, and you know, this is the one thing. We had a membership at one of the hotels where Matt was categorised that was given to us as part of his package. And I would say to him, you know, there's no point sitting around at home waiting for someone to email you. Take the laptop and let's sit by the pool. But he hates... I loved it because I felt like I could still be in my little expat bubble. Yeah. He now tells me now after the fact he absolutely hated it he felt like such a fraud sitting there at this big fancy five-star hotel lying by a pool while he's desperate for someone to call him or email him with a job but my was i need to get him out of the house i need to get him do you know what i mean but i can see where he's coming from he just felt like such a fraud yeah yeah so we had another person that said yes it did happen to them it took them five months before they found their new beginning and how stressful it was from then on um and she said they'll never ever take employment for granted Mm -hmm. so another lady commented that it happened to them four and a half years ago they decided to stay where they were and they used the redundancy money and bought their own business and became residents of the country they were living in so that was fantastic. Yeah, and they've done really, really well. We've spoken to them before, and yeah, their business is thriving. Fantastic. And that is their home base now. Blessing in disguise. Yes. Um, someone else said it had happened to their son here in Doha. He was preparing to come home, but then within a week he got a new job. Oh, that's a good story. I like that one. Uh, another lady, it happened to her husband last year. They were able to stay until the end of the school year, which is, I think, is I've heard of a lot of companies here in Doha at the moment mm. are actually letting families stay and are paying the school fees until the end of the school year. Yes. Because there's children that are sitting there, exams and getting ready to yeah. get into university. I mean, that could not be a worse time for an upheaval yeah. for a family. So um, and I'm sure there's a lot of companies that aren't yeah, and as that's, supportive. That's in particular, you know... Um, 
where we are with our neighbours. Yeah, their daughter's never lived anywhere else other than here. Mm. So she's been here for 15 years wow. and she's only two years away from graduating. Mm-hmm. And then dad comes home and says, I've lost my job. And, um, you know, and the thing for them is they they don't feel like for her to go back to their home country isn't really an option for them Mm -hmm. and without I really don't want to talk too much about the specifics but for them with their country and the situation their country's in they don't feel that that's the right thing for Mm -hmm. her so now they're looking for other countries to send their daughter to school in you know without because they still don't have another job So you think you're trying to cover, okay, well, let's get you sorted first. Mm -hmm. And you can can imagine what's going on in that daughter's mind. That just does not happen back home. If anything, you might have to leave the private school and go to the local state school. That's about as big and dramatic as it's going to get. But they're moving their daughter to another country just to finish her schooling. Yeah, And And I would think at great expense. Yes, and that's the thing. They have been pleading with the schools that they're applying to in other countries saying telling them their whole situation because Mm -hmm. it's like well maybe if we explain to them what's going on and what's going you know this might help us in some way yeah but i mean you don't usually have to do that to give out all that personal information yeah 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 Yeah. so and um, i loved this comment here that um after almost 20 years with the same employer um her husband was made redundant and what they decided to do was travel and they travelled Southeast Asia for a while, pulled their nine-year-old out of school and world-schooled him. Wow. I love that. World-schooled yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that she's done that and they've had the guts to do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I wish I could, but I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. But I just love her that they've just thought, you know what, stuff this. <laughs> Let's just travel, show our kid the world, and it'll all be right. Yeah, that's right. And there's no way I could do it either. It'd be that same thing. I'd be thinking, oh, my God, I'm spending all this money world schooling and travelling my time and um, we're not going to have any food. But I think maybe maybe that is the people that go, yeah, I know I can get another job. I just know I'm going to be all right. And I also, are they the people that also... It's not as important to them exactly where they live or, Mm -hmm. you know, what, you know, are they just okay with well we can go back and live with nothing yes you know we can yeah. do that yeah yeah but no that was a great one too um struggling here to get somewhere no luck yet but it's scary to know what we've left behind and start again um someone else said this is happening to us right now the packers are coming in next week and we're leaving Abu Dhabi. as yet the des- destination is unknown which is a very strange feeling mm. We've been through all the emotions over the past few months since my husband was made redundant. We also don't have a property back at home that we can return to, um, and this is something we plan to change, even if we continue our expat life. Uh, We want that we'll always have a bolt hole in the future. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, our children are small enough that we can make anything sound like an adventure. (laughs) At the moment, my five-year-old is thrilled that we're going to go and live in Belgium. and she'll be able to wear long sleeves every day. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, when we left Abu Dhabi, Sadie was only 18 months old, so it was just she had no clue what was going on. And I yeah. think that was just easy, that yeah. there was one less person we had to worry about and console. Yeah. She had no clue. Yeah. <laughs> um, another lady here, her husband was made redundant in December after 27 years in the oil industry, 17 of them being as an expat. 
Thankfully, they were already home. They decided to really focus on what they can control and look for the silver, li silver linings in life. Um, in 2007, we saw friends and neighbours suffer in the banking crash and use this as a wake-up call in our charmed life. We started to plan ahead a cushion in case it all went wrong. The oil field problems didn't happen overnight. We saw it coming. Thankfully, we were home in our own house. Our kids are almost adults and we planned for their college days. My hubby hated his job for a few years, but we would never have had the courage to walk away from an oil field wage. Now he gets to try what he always wanted to do. He's now self-employed gardener, so very Aww. happy. And she's going back into the workforce. Nice. And 65,000 families in their area are going through the same thing. Wow. So there's not a lot of space for self-pity. She yeah. says. That, oh, God, that's so good. What a fantastic comment. You know, Matt's best friend, he's in the financial industry and he was made redundant a couple of years ago and he was lucky he got a good payout and instead of going straight back out to look for another financial job, he actually became a landscape gardener for a year. Right. He said it was the best year of his life because yeah. he was able to completely step back. Yeah. And then when he was ready, he went back in and did what he, what he was always doing. Okay, so there was one comment that went against everything that we had thought about because we were doing it on expat life and yeah. um, having to leave your expat life, mm -hmm. being made redundant and being sent home. But instead, we got the flip side of the woman who had not been an expat, but they became expats because she became redundant. And I had never thought about it from no. that angle no. at all. And I guess it makes perfect sense. If you're yeah. <laughs> living in home, you just start looking further afield for yeah. a job. Anyway, I thought we'd have a chat to Taryn. She's in Dubai. Okay. And she's going to tell us a bit about her story. Well, we were living in Perth, Western Australia. That's where I'm from. And we'd moved back from overseas because my husband's Norwegian. We'd done our bit in the UK we travelled a bit, we'd done different things. We thought, right, we're moving home. We're going to buy the house, buy the car, have our life. And so we were, you know, trotting along quite well for a couple of years and then the financial crisis hit. And it just happened to be that my husband got made redundant. And so with two little kids, we were looking, he was looking for work and I was only working part-time because my littlest one was only um, like 10 months old. And then he got offered a job in Norway. So we thought, no job versus a job. Yeah. Let, why not? Let's go for the adventure. And it was a two-year contract. So we thought we're going to go for two years. Told everyone we just put our stuff in storage. We went for two years with the idea we're going to come back. And we still haven't come back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and we're on country number three. So then what happened after Norway? Are you? Did he change companies when you left Norway or...? He he changed companies in, in Norway. He was quite unhappy in his job. He said, I'm just going to do the two years and then we're going to go home. And I was like, well, I like it here. The kids like it here. He's Norwegian, so it was nice for the kids to get the culture and the language. I said, why don't you just get a different job? And he thought I was completely nuts. And then he actually started applying for jobs and got a different job about two months later. And then we stayed in Norway for another year and he got offered with that job to move countries to move to Copenhagen oh wow and then how long were you in Copenhagen for four years and so then did you move with another company because you're in Dubai now we're in Dubai now so it's the same parent company but a different division right and is there any fear in the current market that you could be made redundant again 
Yeah, I mean, I think there always, and I think that was a big fear because he was in the oil industry in Copenhagen and now he's moved away from that. So that was a big fear. A lot of our friends um, made redundant. And that I think in the underlying, in the back of our mind, thought, oh, well, he got offered a different role in a different part of the business. So it was like, well, why not? Let's go and do something different. And there's a bit more security than, than being in the oil industry at the moment. But, yeah, there's all, I think it's always in the back of our minds, and I think because it's happened, we've made some changes even in our life. We're a bit more conscious of saving money and putting money away from a rainy day. And if if it happened, I think because we've gone through it, we know that we'd be fine. You just move home for a while. You've got We've got the backup of the money because we've saved money, that if it did happen, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And then obviously it just leads to something different and hopefully something bigger and better. So what do you think you've learnt from the situation then? Like what would your advice be to anyone who's sitting there at the moment panicking that this is what's about to happen to them? Well, I think don't buy a new car. (laughs) Never buy a new car. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we've done it too many times and then you realise you move and you've got this new car you lose money on. So I think don't buy a new car. Always have money for a rainy day and, and don't think it's the end of the world because you know, it leads to something different. I mean, obviously at the time it's the end of the world, but there's always going to be a job out there for someone who wants a job. And, okay, it might not be in the right industry or it might not be as high a level as you had before, but you can get back up there again. And it's just, you know, and I think we've made some most amazing friends and done some amazing things that if we'd just stayed in Australia, we wouldn't have done that. So do you almost think like it was a bit of a blessing in disguise that it pushed you onto this completely different path? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it did, and I think it was, and it's been great for the kids. I mean, part of me thinks, you know, they're going to feel a bit homeless if we keep moving countries every three or four years. But, I mean, the, the language exposure has been amazing. I mean, they've learned Norwegian and English when we were in Norway. Um, in Denmark, they were learning Danish, and now they're at a school where they're learning Arabic and French. And they still learn the Norwegian because we have a, they do a school through, you know, um, a web-based school because my husband's Norwegian. So it's that kind of thing. And just, I think how they see the world is not a big place. They see it as just, you know, somewhere that they can be wherever. And do you think that when you think about now heading back home, has that changed? Like after moving back to Australia once and then having it all uprooted, is Australia still home to return to for your, for you as a family? Yeah, I think it is, and it's a bit funny. We're sort of coming up now with going to leave the the hot summer in Dubai and spend seven weeks in Australia, and that's the first time I've ever done that the whole time I've been away. We've been back for two or three weeks at a time, and not every year. So this is a bit – it feels like I'm going home, but for my kids it doesn't feel like we're going home. For them, I think for my husband and I, we've always decided early on that Australia was home, and that's where we've got a house that we rent out and – my family is there, but I think it, it does feel like we're going home, but I think every time I go, I feel like I'm in the right place at the moment because I know it's always going to be there. It's not going anywhere, so I think we're having this great adventure and we go home, but I miss it, but I know I can always go back if we need to. So what do you think you'd do if if your husband came home tonight and said, oh, my gosh, I've just been made redundant? Um, what would happen, do you think? Um... Uh, I guess if it was today, I think we'd probably try and get the kids through the end of the school year because, yeah. you know, um, they've moved a lot. I think we just, we would probably, obviously, he would apply for other jobs. He'd probably stay a couple months and then if nothing happened, we would go back to Australia and, you know, we would probably stay with family for a while and try and get work. Yeah. And then, 
but if it then you know with if something came up in another country you might end up being you know back for a few months then off again so do you think maybe you're you've just learned to be really flexible I think you have to be and I think just the whole moving and starting again all the time is always hard but you you learn to live with it and you become I guess a bit of a different person what a great interview oh wasn't she and not doom and gloom no no and their whole world has changed because of what happened to them but for the better yeah and there was two things that um Taryn said that really hit home for me is one safe for a rainy day we really learned that after moving here from Abu Dhabi we just our whole spending habits changed Mm -hmm. and we now have that nest egg if we need it and we had it when Matt was off work for two Mm -hmm. months so I think that is a big big tip and that's just start saving now yeah Yeah, and it should just be a general motto really I know in the barefoot world they talk about it as having your mojo yeah you don't start doing anything else unless you until you have your three months of mojo under your belt yeah so you've got that money yeah and then sure go off and go and think about everything else but you won't have that peace of mind that's right until you get it and the other thing that Karen said is that her husband and this was the same with Matt he didn't get his dream job straight away but you can work your way up yes and when Matt was offered a job after he was categorized here he was offered a job that was nowhere near his dream job but it was at least it was keeping us here we wanted to stay and he's just worked his way back up again and he's yeah bigger and yeah. better than ever so yeah and yeah. we would have ended up moving back to Perth and we would have been in the same boat as Taryn everything went to yeah crap in Perth as well so we made the right decision I think coming here now you um found a fantastic link that was in Doha News that talked about the suicide of expats that were trapped in Qatar yeah so there's been a couple of articles on Doha News and I'll put the link up on our website um there's been a spike in Indian men committing suicide here since the beginning of the year from job loss Mm -hmm. um and there's been an English man who committed suicide here because of the debt that he had Mm-hmm. He couldn't leave the country. I guess he felt that there was no way mm-hmm. out and he also took his own life. And it just makes me think about what responsibility these banks have with the amount that they lend and the credit card limits that they give people when they move here. Mm-hmm. When we arrived in Abu Dhabi, I have said, and I've said it in our money episode, I hate credit cards. I think they are the devil's own pit. Yeah. And that's only because I got myself into trouble when I was in my early 20s. Yeah. I thought nothing bad could happen to me. Spend, 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 spend. Mm-hmm. Oh, hang on, I have to pay all this back. Yes, and at 24% interest yes. rate. Right. Yes. And from then on, I just, I, I hate them. I don't use mine. We tried to do this whole new financial thing when we swapped banks and I was having none of it. I do not use a credit card. Right. Um, but you arrive here and they give you these platinum credit cards with huge spending limits on it. Yes. And these people are falling into trouble. And what happens here in the Middle East is if you have debts when you lose your job, you're not allowed to leave the country. You get locked up in jail. Mm. Or you're stuck here with no other job to go to and no way of paying off these debts unless you have family and friends that can help you out of a bad situation. And I just think these banks are... Yeah. Or you do something illegal and jump on a plane and go with all these yeah, debts behind you. But catching up with you. Sure <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do it. So, yeah, I guess financially make sure you've got those three months' salary to keep you going mm-hmm. or three months to keep you living so yeah. that you feel comfortable. 
don't have credit card debt. And don't if you go do, in. pay it off every month. Yeah. Yeah. Don't have a huge car loan no. that you need to pay off. Yeah, just be really, really careful. I think a younger expat maybe gets trapped into the, well, I'm miles from home, nobody knows me, yeah. and I could get away with yes. this. Yes, well, no, and before won't. there was no extradition things with you know the Middle East and back home, it was easy to jump ship. Yeah. It's not so much that case anymore. People are getting stopped at the airport and carted yeah. off to jail and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so says what's your social media this week? Okay, so my best friend actually sent me this link because she knows my pure hatred for Dora the Explorer <laughs> in my house. Dora is called Dora the Effing Explorer. <laughs> when Sadie was a toddler, as I'm sure every parent out there who has a toddler is obsessed with Dora the Explorer. And there's this really funny blog post, uh, a very tongue-in-cheek look at Dora the Explorer, and basically her parents have let this child go off into the world with yeah. no parental supervision. Yeah. And it's just a really, really funny take. So if you hate Dora the Explorer, you'll have a really good chuckle at this blog post that I'll put in the website. Oh, that's... I can't stand Dora the Explorer. <laughs> and swipe and no swiping and, oh, <laughs> boots. <laughs> So my favourite um, post or blog post I discovered this week, a girlfriend of mine sent it to me and there's a couple of uh, Aussie journos who have moved to New York to work and the mm-hmm. father uh, writes a blog and yeah. he's a journalist and he writes incredibly well and I just loved it because it was very close to my own heart. The post is called You Say Tomato and it's got <laughs> my boys, the all-American boys. But um, just a little snippet of it, he basically talks about how they have integrated into American life. Mm-hmm. And it starts off with their youngest son. Well, it starts off with one of their sons at school surrounded by American kids who are all saying, you know, talk, 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 talk. And he He's mortified because they all want to hear this Aussie accent. Yeah. And he sort of goes through how their life has changed over mm-hmm. the time they've been there. But he says everything from doing his homework to how many pages of a book he's read is quantified as a bunch of something. <laughs> <laughs> he demands PB&J, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, for the snack and regards Vegemite with disdain, <gasps> a distinct artefact from his past that offends his Brooklyn <gasps> sensibilities. He talks about the curse words in the inappropriate uh (laughs) the music to his friend rappers don't swear you know they curse um he says i swear one day i'm going to walk into the bathroom and hear him saying are you talking to me me?" um but then he kind of talks about how they're reaping what they sowed because of course it was them that moved their children there and they wanted their children to blend and get in and it's a really touching I actually read it to my little guy who's uh, here today because he's off school and he's 12 and we moved to Canada when he was about five months old Mm -hmm. so he had this very soft kind of North American accent for a long time and then we went to Houston for a year and for some reason every other kid their voice didn't change, their accent didn't change, but he became from the South, very much from the South. And he says things like, dang it. And and we give him so much grief because he sounds so much more 
American and like our neighbours down at Port Willie, uh, his name is John and my son is completely intoxicated with him. Mm-hmm. But we all giggle because every time he walks in the house, he goes, hey, John. And, <laughs> and we all go, hey, John. And But I realised I have to stop doing that because... Um, if you read this post, it's just brilliantly said how this guy realises he's got to stop taking the mickey out of his son because he created it and his son has, um, you know, blended in. And he said last night his younger brother, who's also shedding his antipodean ways at a rapid rate, teased him about something he'd said. He responded with, I say it because I'm going with the flow in America. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really, I thought it was really touching that, you know, we can't track traps these kids all over the world and not expect them to, to pick up pick all up of the, the little things. yeah yeah that's right so that was one of the things i loved and the other thing i really loved was a woman i discovered on um, on instagram oh this is the lady you showed me just before we started yes yes, yes. on instagram she's known as nola trees and uh, she has a fantastic site where she does her name is dana falsetti and i will um put the link in there um so people can see it but her name is dana falsetti and she is um not your average yoga poser because she's definitely above a size 12 or 14 yeah and um but she she can bend like there's no tomorrow yes like we're talking foot behind the back of the head yes splits that make it look very easy while standing on her head incredible so for anyone that is like a size 16 and above you know you have no excuse to say i can't do that because she she is doing it she is in crop tops and hot pants mind you i love her yes like she just does not give Yeah. A flying F. Yes. And she did this because she had such bad self-esteem. Yeah. yeah. And now she's at the point where she's like, well, have it. A look. How many followers does she have on Instagram? Oh, just the uh, odd 168,000. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should start because I can still do the splits. It's my party trick. <gasps> you need to. You could be this person. Maybe I'll start wearing hot pants and crop tops and start doing the splits when I've had a few vodkas. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and says we're going to um, also talk a little bit about Kiki and Sasha this yeah. week. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. They've gone a bit viral. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Over the weekend, I was sending you notes because you were out at brunch and then lunch. And the yes, brunch I was and brunch and lunch and brunch and lunch and brunch. <laughs> I sent you a note saying, okay, when we get to 50,000 views, you need to pop the champagne. And we did. We're, we're over, I think we're like 72,000 views now. That is just <laughs> nuts. I can't wrap my head around it. We've had people come up to us on the weekend and I get, because I love doing Sasha and Kiki and I get right into it when it's just you and me. Yes. But then when someone comes up, and even with the podcast, when someone comes up to me and says, oh, I listen to you, I watch yeah. your videos, I die. Yeah. Yes. A small death inside because I just get so embarrassed, embarrassed because yep. really it is just you and I yeah, yeah. shooting the breeze yes. and I forget that there's, that people, there's listening. people listening yes. and if I think about it too much I really would crawl under a big yeah. rock and never yeah. come out again. And I think that's why we can do Kiki and Sasha because we put on the bathrobes yes. and the wigs and we don't. Yes. Uh, Although yeah. my husband does like to remind me that there is quite a fair bit of Sasha in me. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to do another Kiki and Sasha before I hop on the plane to go yes, to Australia. Yes, Kiki's going house hunting. Yes, Kiki's going house hunting. Roger, 
Roger's told us we need to downsize. (laughs) So we're going to go and do that. So check out where we have a YouTube channel. Yes. For the two fan expats. Yes. And you can also see us on our Facebook page. Yes. Um, And the other thing we just wanted to quickly say before we sign off is our contract with the Shangri-La has come to an end. And we both just really, I mean, we've just had the best experience working with the hotel and with Rowaida, who's the communications director there. And we, you and I have just learnt so much. And we've just really seen the podcast take off with the video content that we're doing. And it's just been such a fantastic time working with the hotel. So, yeah, we want to say thank you, I guess. And to all the staff. I mean, we now rock up and (laughs) from the valet guy to the lady that's. Hi, guys. Yeah. We do. It's very yeah. Sasha and Kiki when we walk Honestly, in the hotel. We just walk girl. in and it's like, hi, 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 hi. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much to all of the people at the Shangri-La and we've just had a blast working for it. Yes. So now we need to find another sponsor. Yes. And we would like someone Not as lovely as the Shangri-La. <laughs> After me standing on my soapbox talking about the banks, I don't think they're going to come a knocking today. <laughs> I will not be spruiking your credit card on here. I think that's the thing. We we would love to find someone to sponsor with who is the whole uh, promoting expat women. Yes. Um, because really the reason why we do this podcast is we do a podcast about expat women for expat mm-hmm. women. And we love sharing your stories. Love, yes. love, love. Yes, that's the whole bit. It's really more about the people that we talk to than, yeah. than us. And yeah. so... Yeah, anything expat related and anyone who has an expat um, market, mm-hmm. that's sort of who we want to talk yes. to and someone we like. We don't we don't go off with people that we don't like. No, we've, no. we've turned those people down. We have turned those people down and we may live to regret it, but <laughs> we've got principles. <laughs> okay, everyone, um, and don't oh, forget to yes. leave a review. And, and then we'll be back sort of mid-April. Mm-hmm. Um, to yeah. chat to everyone again. Great. But you'll be seeing more of Sasha and Kiki while yes. we're away. Because yes. we're being separated, darling. I know. I'm going to miss you so much. No. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.